Today on Open the Bible, we continue a special presentation of Heaven, How I Got Here, the story of the thief on the cross who died a few feet from Jesus. It's a dramatic reading of Pastor Colin Smith's book and performed by actor Stephen Baldwin. The story is told in the words of the thief as he looks back from heaven on the day that changed his eternity and the faith that can change yours. And now let's continue Heaven, How I Got Here. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. All this week, we're bringing you the dramatic reading of Pastor Colin's book, Heaven, How I Got Here. And Colin, as we were talking about in our previous broadcast, this story, The Thief on the Cross, might be the clearest presentation of the gospel. Yeah, it really does blow away the myth that so many people believe, which is uh, that if you were to get into heaven, it would be by living a good life. This guy had not done that, and he wasn't in a position to do that. And yet Jesus says to him, you will be with me in paradise. So how did he get there? He got there through Jesus Christ. And this story, more than any other in the New Testament, makes it clear how a person can get to heaven. I can't think of anything more important than this. Absolutely not. And if you happen to miss yesterday's broadcast, I do hope you'll come to our website and listen. You can come to openthebible.org.uk. You can stream the program or download the MP3 for free. Again, our website is openthebible.org.uk. Well, when we left the thief, he was absolutely filled with hatred toward God. But today, we begin to see the thief make a turn. The book Heaven, How I Got Here is read by actor Stephen Baldwin. And we continue with chapter 3 faith. Chapter 3, Faith, 11.14 a.m. I don't really know how to explain what happened next. All I can tell you is that a strange stillness came over my soul, and for the first time I began to consider what lay ahead. My life was slipping away. Earth was receding and eternity was looming large on the horizon. I had not planned on this, and I had not prepared for it either. My mind went back to my childhood, and I heard my mother's voice quoting the scriptures, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I had always believed in God, of course. That came with my Jewish blood. But there is a big difference between believing in God and fearing Him. People who say they believe in God often give little or no place to Him in their lives, but fearing God means you give weight to Him in your decisions and your priorities. Pleasing Him becomes your first consideration and your greatest joy. I thought back to my first theft at the temple and realized that the fear of God had been largely absent from my life since that time. I had chosen my own path and pursued my own way. I had lived at a distance from God, and now I was dying far from Him too. What would lie beyond? I didn't know. And over the years, I really hadn't cared. But as life was slipping away from me, nothing mattered more. The second victim launched into a tirade of cursing and blasphemy. A short time before, I had joined in with him, hurling abuse at Jesus. 
but now his antagonism toward God seemed to me like the height of folly. I pushed myself up and called out to rebuke him. Don't you fear God? The second victim became quiet, and so I continued. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, I said. But this man has done nothing wrong. My words came as a surprise to me, as they must have to him too. Throughout my life, I always had a defense for everything I did. When I rejected the temple, it was because the temple had failed me. When I stole from Rome, it was because Rome had stolen from me. As I saw it, right was on my side. Someone else was always in the wrong. But in the strange calm that came over my soul in those moments, things looked very different. I began to see that my greatest theft lay not in stealing from Rome, but in robbing God. I had thought about this life as mine rather than his, and had given him no place in it. I had measured my life by what satisfied me, and on the basis had considered that my good outweighed my bad. But as my life was slowly bleeding out to a miserable end, I knew that I was far from good and far from God. I looked again toward Jesus, who despite the relentless taunting had remained silent. The crowd was outraged because he claimed to be the Christ. What if he was? They hated him because he said he was the Son of God. If that were true, there would be some evidence, and apparently there was. The crowd had said he saved others. I thought about that. If he saved others, was there any chance he could save me? The sign above his head just a few feet away from me read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. If he was a king, he must have a kingdom. But as I watched him moving toward his death, I realized that his kingdom did not belong to this world. It was odd. They say that as you get Closer to death on the cross, your brain struggles for oxygen. You would think that my brain would have been slowing down, and yet it was the exact opposite. My growing fear of God kept driving my thoughts, and the thoughts were becoming clearer and clearer. If Jesus was God in the flesh, he would indeed be the Christ. If he was the Christ, he would be in the business of saving people. And if he saved people, he could bring them into his kingdom. Within a few hours, Jesus would be leaving this world, and so would I. His kingdom would be on the other side of death. Perhaps he could do something to help me. Jesus, I said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It was an audacious request. A few moments before I had been in a league with the crowd and the second victim pouring out curses on Jesus. If he remembered this when he came into his kingdom, I would be done for.
In truth, I suspected that I may be done for already. My mind kept going back to my mother, teaching us the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You shall have no other God before me. I could hear her voice and picture her slightly bent finger pointing at me. God is watching you. He sees everything and he never forgets. You always reap what you sow. If she was right, there was no hope for me. I had made my choices and was facing the consequence. I had sown my seed and was moving inexorably toward the harvest. There was no going back. With all my heart, I hoped that my mother was wrong. Hope began for me in the strange words of Jesus that at first had filled me with hate. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Forgiveness. If Jesus could offer forgiveness to his torturers, perhaps he would offer forgiveness to me. At first this had sounded like the very weakness I despised, but at that moment it seemed to open a glorious and unexpected window of hope. Forgiveness was scarce in the legalistic moral world my mother spoke of so often. To her, the universe was an unbreakable system of cause and effect, regulated by a rules-oriented God. Do good, and all will be well. Do bad, and you had better watch out. There was no hope for a person like me in that. If you honestly measure your life by the commandments of God, I suspect you will come to the same conclusion. Reaping what you sow is not good news for any of us. Forgiveness is. If Jesus remembered me when he came into his kingdom, there might be some hope for me. But what would be in it for him? I couldn't think of anything. If he took an interest in me, it would not be because of anything I had done or anything I could offer. If he remembered me at all, it would be an act of undeserved mercy and kindness. But that was exactly what he offered to the soldiers who crucified him. He showed them mercy and kindness. Would he do the same for me? Asking him to remember me was deceptively simple. I began to fear God. I recognized my sinful condition. I believed that Jesus was who he said he was. The Christ. The Messiah. And I asked him to save me. That is something you can do too. In doing this, I gave up all the hostility in my heart and I abandoned my illusion of having a life that would somehow be impressive to God. I placed my life as it was with all I had done into the hands of Jesus. My hands outstretched to his hands outstretched. I believed in him as the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior, and the King 
and left the rest up to him. Clinging to life by a slender thread, I gasped for breath and waited for him to respond. Well, what a compelling place for us to have to take a pause for just a moment. You're listening to Heaven, How I Got Here, the story of the thief on the cross on the special edition of Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. This book, Heaven, How I Got Here, was a book Pastor Colin wrote a number of years ago, just reflecting on what the thief's experience would have been on the cross, what led him to the cross and what he experienced there and how those words that he would eventually hear from Jesus which we'll get to in just a moment, changed his eternity forever. I think this is one of the clearest presentations of the gospel that you'll hear. And maybe you have a friend or a family member. You can get him a copy of this book, Heaven, How I Got Here, when you visit our website, openthebible.org.uk. Well, the thief was waiting to see how Jesus would respond. We'll find out as we continue with Chapter 4, Hope. Again, here is actor Stephen Baldwin. Chapter 4, Hope, 11.15 a.m. My request had been simple. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. His answer was simpler still. Amen. There was no mistaking his enthusiasm. Joy filled his eyes as he looked at me. It was as if he had been waiting for me to ask, as if his answer to my request was bound up with why he was there. It felt to me as if his arms, which were pinned to the cross, were reaching out to me with the same love and forgiveness that he had offered to the guards. Amen. Yes. I'm with you. Your prayer is mine. It will be done. After all my wasted years, it would not have been surprising if he had responded with caution. Don't you think it's a little late for you to be thinking about my kingdom? After the hatred I had shown toward him just a few hours earlier, I could hardly have complained if he had said, the kingdom of heaven is not for people like you. But that is not his way. He did not place me on probation. He did not send me on a long spiritual journey or tell me to wait and see. Instead, he joyfully accepted my prayer and took his stand with me as I took my stand with him. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and asked him to save me. He accepted me freely and gladly, without hesitation or condition. Amen, he said. And then after a short pause, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
paradise, the world of peace, where God's people enjoy his presence. I had no doubt that this would be Jesus' destination after he died, but I was shocked by his unconditional promise that I would be there with him. Hanging on that cross, I could taste hell already. I had nothing left but fear, and Jesus promised paradise. When I reached out to him, I thought his kingdom would be in a distant future. That's why I asked him to remember me. But Jesus made it clear that I didn't need to worry about him remembering. I would be in paradise before the day was done. Amen. I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. These were the greatest words anyone had ever spoken in my life. They changed everything for me. Looking back, I see even more in the promise of Jesus than I was able to grasp at the time. He had said, You will be with me. And so it was. I was Jesus' last companion on earth and his first companion in heaven. I'm still amazed that he would choose me as the first person he would usher into heaven. I expect the angels were astonished too, though they should know by now that Jesus chooses some surprising friends. Like many others, I thought heaven belonged to holy and faithful people who honored God with lives of love and sacrifice for the good of others. Paradise was the home of the righteous. It was for heroes of the faith, such as Abraham, Moses, David, and Elijah. My life would not measure up. I lived at a distance from God. I knew more about hate than love, more about doubt than faith, more about sin than repentance. But Jesus reached out and made a friend of me. That is his way. It's no accident I was the first one he brought into heaven. I am an example of what he is able to do with the least likely candidates. He snatched me from the brink of hell and brought me into the joys of heaven. Jesus said to me, Today you will be with me in paradise. And he was as good as his word. lead to a long period of unconsciousness, nor does it lead to a long process of being prepared for the friends of Jesus. Death is an immediate translation into the joys of life at the right hand of God. My story is unusual, to say the least. 
but it teaches something that everyone needs to know. Entrance into heaven does not depend on your performance in the Christian life. Think about what happened to me. I trusted Christ and went to heaven on the same day. I missed out on the entire Christian life. I had no battles with temptation and no struggles with prayer. I never had the opportunity to be baptized, to receive communion, to join a church, to make a donation, or to serve in a ministry. Since I've been here in heaven, I've learned that many people on earth believe that their entrance into heaven depends on living a good and godly life. They may believe that Jesus forgives, but deep down they feel that their progress in the Christian life is the key that will open the door of heaven. How could that possibly be true? I went to heaven without ever living the Christian life. I didn't have the opportunity with my hands fixed on the cross. I was in no position to do good works with my feet nailed to a wooden beam. I could hardly walk in paths of righteousness. And with death only hours away, there was no time for me to turn over a new leaf and live a better life. You too need to know this. Your entrance into heaven does not depend on how well you live the Christian life. If that were true, there would be no hope for me or for you. We can't live the Christian life well enough to deserve heaven. Nobody can. But when you reach out to Christ in faith and repentance... He accepts you unconditionally. He does not say, I forgive you, but I will be watching very carefully to see how you do from now on. He doesn't put you on probation and say, make sure you don't mess up again. If my performance was involved, even to a small degree... I can never be sure of getting into heaven. How could you ever know that you've lived a good enough life? The good news is that salvation does not depend on your work for Christ, but on Christ's work for you. Your work for him is never done, but you can take it from me that his work for you is already complete. You can rest your life, death, and eternity on Him with complete confidence. That's what I did, and I can tell you I was not disappointed. Actor Stephen Baldwin playing the thief on the cross as he reads chapter 4 of Pastor Colin's book, Heaven, How I Got Here. And Colin, the... the uh, the thief heard from Jesus the words, today you will be with me in paradise. How do we know that paradise equals heaven? 
because uh, that's where Jesus went when he died, and he said, you will be with me. How do we know that that's where Jesus went? Because at the end of his life, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, Jesus went into the presence of the Father. He went into all the joy and the glory of heaven, and he says to this thief, you're going to be with me. Yeah, well, he says that to the thief. How can the person listening today have that same kind of assurance? Well, in the same way as the thief did, he was given a promise by Jesus Christ. You will be with me in paradise. And when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, you stop trusting in yourself and your own effort to be a better person and start looking as the thief did to Jesus Christ and you ask him to save you. Well, he gives this promise to all who believe that we will be with him. He embraces us with his love and with his forgiveness. And we put our trust in that promise just as the thief did. Well, that may be a message that a friend or a family member you have needs to hear and you think that they'd be encouraged hearing the gospel presented in this way, that it could be enlightening for them. You can get a copy of the paperback book, Heaven How I Got Here, The Story of the Thief on the Cross. You'll find it when you come to our website, openthebible.org.uk. That's openthebible.org.uk. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. For information on today's broadcast, please visit openthebible.org.uk. Learn more about Heaven, How I Got Here, a book written by Pastor Colin Smith. And if you missed any part of the program, or if you want to hear this special series in its entirety, you can listen online at openthebible.org.uk. Join us again next time for more from Heaven, How I Got Here. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible.